Oh, it's big. Hey, <laughs> it's a big one. It's Lebowski. It's the big Lebowski. Oh. I've just put those two things together there oh. quite cleverly. Hello, uh, welcome to Diminishing Returns. I'm Sol, that's Alan. We're doing Hello. the big Lebowski. Ooh, cult favourite, the big Lebowski. Hey Sol, I, I just smoked a J uh, on <laughs> before we recorded because I'm so, I'm like a stoner dude now because I watched the big Lebowski. A J? What's that? Uh, a blunt. A d- what? Like a blunt <laughs> um, object? The, the, the devil's lettuce. What? You don't want a warm lettuce <laughs> up, you want it ice cold, chill, straight out the fridge. Uh, okay, uh, Mary Jane? What? You smoked a human being's uh, remains? Can I call this? Uh, uh, grass. Some grass. Man. Well, that's just, I mean... <laughs> I know some kids at school who did that because they thought they were very cool. <laughs> I just say I just smoked the inside of a banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I've also uh, started drinking white Russians. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wearing, <laughs> wearing a dressing gown all that's the time because really cool. that's how cool I am. Yeah, that it's very really cool, cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, anybody who does that is really cool, especially if they go to a place where other people are doing it mm. and join in. Mm. They're not definitely not wankers. Mm. Um, have we ever covered a Coen Brothers production on this show before? Um, I don't believe we have, uh, which is surprising because they are my favourite filmmakers. Mm. Pretty much, definitely top three. Yeah, and I know we have we have talked about them a lot. I know you've never quite synced with them, have you? You've never quite. Uh, That's not entirely true, but I I think that. I think one of my hot takes, my controversial hot takes, is going to be coming out this episode. Ooh, controversy. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, everybody who's listening to this, I'm sure, has watched The Big Lebowski. It's a cult favourite. Didn't do particularly well on release, but it's one of those films that really gained traction on the old DVD circuit, I think, in, in the sort of late 90s, early noughties, and all that actually meant something. So, where do we start? It's the Coen Brothers. Uh, they were already established, well established by this point. Their previous film was Fargo, which had won Oscars and had really legitimised them. They'd already won the Palm d'Or. Your favourite film, apparently, I've been told. Fargo, yeah, definitely uh, right up there. We haven't done that yet mm. on the show. So, yeah. Hmm, where do we start? Okay. The Dude. Shall we start with The Dude? If you want. It's hard because we've we've not done the Coen Brothers, so it's such a big thing to kind of. It, it's difficult to not approach this with a degree of contextual. Uh, what what's the word I'm looking for? I kind of want to put it in context, context. of their career. And it's hard <laughs> yeah, to do yeah. that having never really spoken about them before on the show. Well, it definitely fits in with their oeuvre to a certain extent, although. You could certainly argue that they don't pin themselves down too much, but there is eccentric characters. Oh, really? It's very quirky. Yeah, the Coens. Yes, they make two types of films. Yeah, well, that's two different types of films, isn't it? Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> go on then. What are the two types? Well, the 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 kind of dramas that are a bit funny. Yeah, and the comedies that aren't funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you you're not on board with the Cohen humor. Um I am, I think. So uh yeah, the likes of 
uh, Raising Arizona, Hudsucker Proxy all came before Oh, Oh, now there you go, that's a funny film. Hudsucker Proxy is funny, you know why? Sam Raimi was Sam involved. Raimi was one of the three writers on it. <laughs> no, but it's bizarre. Yeah. Like, I, genuinely, that film I sat down and watched, and I was like, "Oh, this is actually genuinely funny." And then I found out Sam Raimi wrote it with them, and it was yeah, just like, "Oh, interesting." Funny as Spider Man Three. Uh, Spider Man Three is hilarious. <laughs> I know you were going to say that. <laughs> so, yeah, would you say? So, let's talk about Jeff Bridges. This is probably the most kind of associated role with Jeff Bridges, I think. And he's had a very long and illustrious career. Yeah. But I think I, I this think... is the Jeff Bridges role that people think of. Yeah. And I, I think there's a sense, I don't know how true this is, but there's a sense from people that it's there's a lot of him in there. Like he's like kind of like a bit of a stoner guy. Or so seems like he was in the sixties and seventies, like when he was a young man and then I mean, as it happens, I, I just happened to be listening to some people talk about Iron Man on another podcast earlier today, and they started quoting Jeff Bridges, and they were all doing, reading out his quotes like, we didn't have a script, man! Like, they were just doing yeah. dude impressions, and and like, yeah. you know, the the presumably the quotes included the words man and dude and stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. We were just making it up as we went along, man! So the plot is, um, I guess it's very piecemeal. It's kind of, it's not really meandering because it is sort of driving somewhere all the time. I I just don't get it, Alan. What what is, why are they fun? (laughs) What's fun? Because my problem with Coen Brothers comedies is, it's, it's not that I watch it and think, well, that's not funny. It's that I watch it and I like it doesn't even register as a joke. I if if I didn't know this was supposed to be a comedy film, I would have just thought it was a kind of offbeat drama. And the same's <laughs> true of every Coen Brothers film I've ever watched. And, but does it not work on that level? If you watch it on that level? Uh well not this one particularly, because there isn't enough plot and it it's just not I don't know. I I I went to see one of the most most uh, upsetting film experiences I think I've ever had. Trash humpers. <laughs> I mean that was yeah that was more upsetting. <laughs> but at that same film festival, I went to see a serious man, the Coen Brothers film mm-hmm. with Calvin, and we thought, oh good, we're in for a a, a funny comedy from. Uh, these masterful writer-directors. And then everyone was just chuckling away, laughing. But they weren't laughing at jokes. And when I asked <laughs> Calvin what was funny about that film, he couldn't tell me. He just went, oh, it's just kind of a mood. And I was like, well, give me, yeah, well, give yeah, me an exactly. example of a joke. And he was like, there aren't jokes in it. And there was a line in that film where he's like a, a physics professor or something, and they mm. open a scene, and he, he sort of says, and so... The cat exists in a super state, which means that the cat is both alive and dead. And he's got Schrodinger's <laughs> cat written on him. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, you're making a joke out of it, but that is the reaction the audience had. And I was just looking yeah, around like, yeah, 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 that is Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> How's that a joke? He's just That's just the ending of him explaining Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> well, I, I mean, to be honest with you, A Serious Man is certainly not my favourite Coen Brothers film. I didn't particularly get on with that one either. I think, to be honest, I think I think Fargo is a funny film. I think True yeah. Grit is quite a funny film. I, I think the Coens are actually very funny, but only when they 
have like a solid framework of character and story to put the jokes on. And so when they make a quote-unquote comedy, I think it's just incredibly self-indulgent bollocks, and I don't like it, and I don't find it funny. Uh, self-indulgent. Incredibly self-indulgent. Uh, like, I found Hail Caesar to be self-indulgent. Still, I haven't uh, seen it. Um, because that was just like, let's celebrate kind of golden age Hollywood, and then it kind of didn't get further than that. Every scene in a, in a Coen Brothers comedy is just kind of, oh, they thought this might be like a laugh for them and their mates on set. That's kind of the impression it that I get watching these films. Well, it's not a fucking Seth Rogen film, is it? Come on. Well, I don't know. It feels. It. I mean, it feels like a Seth Rogen film made by the two most serious men on earth who <laughs> can only express humor through their films. And I imagine us sat there, not talking on set, like very quietly, looking at the monitor. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, let me be a bit more specific. Do you find Philip Seymour Hoffman's character funny in this film? That's the Los Angeles Chamber of Commerce Business Achiever Award, which is given, well, not necessarily given every year, hey, given only when there's a worthy is somebody. This, is this him with uh, Nancy? Yes, indeed. That is Mr. Lebowski with the First Lady. Yes. Oh. Let's take in when Mrs. That's, Reagan. That's uh, Lebowski on the left there. Yeah, of course, Mr. Lebowski on the left. So he's a uh, you know a, a uh, handicapped uh, guy. Mr. Lebowski is disabled. Yes, uh, this picture was taken when Mrs. Reagan was first lady of the nation. Yes, yes, not of California. Is he meant to be funny in this film? Well, I find it very funny. Genu- like genuinely, I'm not. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I, <laughs> that's. I thought he was meant to be a straight man, if anything. Well, it is. <sighs> He's he's very over the top. It's, it's it's this kind of like the the archetypal sidekick butlery kind of role, you know, the assistant who's too takes everything too seriously and, and he's trying to paper over the cracks. But he's he's doing it very over the top style, like acting style, uh, which he gets away with. It's it's a difficult thing to do. But uh, that's just uh, one example, I guess. That's a character that I find funny. Uh, what about David Thewlis? Did you find him funny? Uh, God, I don't remember who he plays in it. <laughs> he's oh, he's in one scene, little weird, little kind of cameo thing, where the dude goes to see Julianne Moore, and there's this video artist just sat in the chair, oh, giggling yeah. and stuff. With no, a not particularly. I, I tell you, the one bit I found vaguely funny okay. was when the policeman was having a sit down with the dude. And he basically tells him to fuck off, and then the dude goes, you fucking fascist! Or whatever it is he says. He calls him a fascist, and I found that amusing. Is that after he threw the mug at his head? Yeah, it was that whole bit. I found that lightly, like, vaguely amusing. <laughs> like, that might be a, a vaguely funny scene in a drama. <laughs> yeah. But it's weird, because I do, I think I do jibe with their sense of humour. Because, like I say, Fargo, Fargo's a funny film. Mm-hmm. But it's a great thrill. It's like a great crime movie. Yeah. And it works on a serious level. So you're sort of saying this doesn't have enough else to hold it together? I think partly, but I think it. I don't know. It's. I just don't. It doesn't register as humor. It doesn't register as funny. If you. I honestly, I wouldn't know any of their films were supposed to be comedies were I not explicitly told that. What about. <laughs> what about uh, John Turturro's? Jesus Quintana. 
this is much more overtly comedic, and, and that character, for example, is a distinctly over-the-top, silly comedy character. What's this day of rest shit? What's this bullshit? I don't fucking care. It don't matter to Jesus. But you're not fooling me, man. You might fool the fucks in the league office, but you don't fool Jesus. It's Bush League psycho stuff. Laughable, man. <laughs> I would have fucked you in the ass Saturday. I'll fuck you in the ass the next Wednesday instead. Woo! You got a day Wednesday, baby! He's cracking. Well, I, I, yeah, but I, is that enough to make it a comedy? That a character's a bit over the top and chewing the scenery? What, is Al Pacino in it? <laughs> well, that's what I mean. It's, I, I don't think there's much difference between John Turturro in this and Al Pacino in most of his films. It's like... <laughs> They're having, they're, they're obviously having fun with it, but is that funny? I don't think so, and I, I wouldn't. I mean, what's the joke with him? He's a guy who comes in and he overacts. Is that? <laughs> it is, and this is this is where I will sort of accept your your criticisms. There's a lot of elements here that don't really add anything. You know, Jesus Quintana is a well, obviously it adds a lot of things because he's become such an iconic character, but. You know, it's not driving the plot really in any way. It's not. It's not doing anything for the film itself. The narrative. Oh yeah, you could you could remove his scenes and it wouldn't make yeah. the slightest bit of difference to yeah, the film, yeah, which yeah. makes it all the more baffling that we're doing this episode to tie into the upcoming <laughs> John Turturro Jesus rolls spin-off. Yeah, it's an odd thing. We'll come back to that at the end. Yeah, I think. Yeah. But yeah, there's things like that. Um, the John Polito bit as a private detective who's looking for money is not doesn't add anything, and that's not you, you know what it is as well. I, I think the Coen brothers are such disciplined, incredible filmmakers mm. when they're making drama, but when they're making comedy, it, they just get self indulgent and don't care. And I think they do just have all these characters come in for tangents and plot strands that go nowhere and I don't know, I, I guess it's a joke that I don't get, but Well, I mean, in this specific case, I can, I, I've read uh, about the film and they wanted to make a film that was reminiscent of Raymond Chandler novels uh, which were sort of similarly kind of meandering and, and never quite kind of completing a plot. So it was a deliberate reference to that. I mean, that doesn't play if you're not familiar with that it probably doesn't play if you are familiar with that because it's not like it's based on a Chandler novel or anything it's not set in the 30s with a private detective or anything like that sort of thing but that's their kind of inspiration point I suppose so uh, you could uh, certainly argue that's self-indulgent because it doesn't translate I'm not convinced I'd like any Raymond Chandler novels if I read them either <laughs> oh yeah I definitely don't think I'd find them funny <laughs> You're very hung up on the humour, though. If, if, say, you don't find this particularly funny, is there, is there nothing else here for you? Well, not really. That's the thing. I, I, I'm hung up on it because I don't like that I can't... I'm, I'm genuinely flummoxed by their by their comedies, and it really upsets me because I... You know, like, I watch something incredibly unfunny, like Ahmed the Dead Terrorist. I can still <laughs> register, right, that's following the structure of a joke. You know, this is what you might find funny if you were operating at that base level that you know like most humor whether or not i find it funny i can i can understand it and get it but the coen brothers i just don't 
I, je- I it, it's beyond my comprehension. I do not get it, and I feel like my mother watching a sitcom that I the like. Mighty Boosh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, obviously, humor is subjective to an to a certain extent, and you. I mean, you obviously you know lots of people find this funny and entertaining. It's a oh god, successful cult film. So I'm the only person I know who doesn't find it funny. In fact, mm. I, I I think part of what really aggravates me about it is that this is generally amongst filmy wanky film student types that I spend my days with. I'd say this is probably the most popular selection if you were to ask them to pick the the greatest comedy ever made. I've heard a lot of people refer to it as the greatest comedy ever made. I've heard a lot of people call it the funniest film ever made. And it's just baffling. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I like the film. I find it funny. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's just comedy, that that's what wins me over. I, and it's not even necessarily all that laugh out loud funny. I, I certainly did laugh out loud sometimes. But like the dude, for example, that character, like the way that character is embodied is very entertaining. He's a funny mm. character, not necessarily have... gags, but you know, the way he behaves, the way he reacts to the situation. I think I've just, I know too many people like that. <laughs> and they're all annoying knobheads. <laughs> Who do you know like that? Slackers uni with You went to the, you know, people like that. We went to uni together. <laughs> But is he supposed to be a likable character, particularly? I think so, yeah. But you're supposed to approve of his lifestyle choices. He's no, know, he's, not necessarily. He's, but but he's a know, good I just, man. I don't. He's a good. He's person, not. Right? Well, I don't know. You know, I, I like lots of comedies with heinous, unlikable characters that you know you're supposed to follow. But I guess I find them funny enough, and there's enough bite to them. But it's not, it's just Jeff Bridges just like being like, hey man, whatever, dude, you do what you want, man. Like, whatever. Well, I think, I think that's deliberate. He's a passive character, isn't he? To a yeah. large part. And then occasionally he's forced to take action, which he doesn't particularly want to. Um, I mean, what, okay, if I was going to pick an element of this film that you did like, I would go with John Goodman. So how do you feel about he... that character? I mean, he's, yeah, he's the best, best of a bad bunch. And this is another one where I would say this is probably John Goodman's most iconic character. This is probably what he's kind of. You reckon? Yeah. More than more than more than Fred Flintstone. <laughs> King Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean you're probably right. What about Roseanne? Yeah, I I, I think Roseanne hasn't quite stood the test of time in the same way, um, and it's also Roseanne. He's quite an everyman, you know. He's the dad. Well, uh, I've never where, I've never seen it. Oh, it's great. Roseanne's great, but he's like a mid typical Midwestern overweight dad, you know. So it's not a particular like standout role, even though he does it very well. Whereas this is a very distinct character, and, and you know, it's um, it comes with all the great quotes and stuff that people love to uh, to do. Well, right. This is another thing. All the quotes. This film's known as being so quotable. Yeah. But then the quotes are just like a Chinaman peed on my rug or something. Like, what? <laughs> well, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature, actually. It's uh, Asian American. I, mean, I know that's a quote as well. Just... <laughs> uh, well, that, I don't know if that would be my choice of quotes, but yeah, I think I think you may suffer here, Saul, and and rightly so. And um, something we mildly took the piss out of right at the beginning of the episode that this has become such a cult favorite 
that it's a cult favorite of a load of wankers who <laughs> who dress up and like think they're cool and, and quote from it all the time and it's it's kind of a victim of its own success in that in that that, that definitely that definitely doesn't help it yeah from my perspective yeah i understand but that. i i don't think i find it funny to begin with yeah i i mean basically this was one of the f- first films i came across when i was getting into film so we're talking you know circa 2005 probably that mm-hmm. i'm really looking into films and obtaining copies of things on the internet and so on so i guess it is that period you're on about where you know the dvd market was ripe and this film was yeah firmly uh, established as a, a cult favorite, yeah. and I don't know. I mean, it took me a while to get my head around what uh, legitimate cinema considers to be comedy, anyway. Because I'll tell you what, it's not Walk Hard. They, uh... <laughs> That's true. It's not funny at all. But it's it's like I saw someone uh, on Twitter yesterday talking about how Parasite is the funniest Best Picture winner mm. of all time. Yeah. And I thought, no, it's not. And I went and looked at every Best Picture winner. And maybe it is. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> Can you name a funnier Best Picture winner? Um, let's see, off the top of my head. Oh. Um, nothing is jumping out to me. For me, um, The Big Lebowski is similar, I guess. I It was one of the films I watched when I was first getting into cinema. Probably would have been early... 2000s and it's definitely a film that in my mind somehow i associate with boogie nights which we covered a couple of weeks ago Mm. um similar era a couple of same actors probably the first things that i saw julianne moore in the first things i saw philip seymour hoffman in both involve these kind of porn producer characters as well um so maybe there's a connection there quite different styles very different types of films but i think you know they're i think they're very similar actually i i can i made that same connection watching this again for the podcast. Mm. Um, but, I mean, would you call Boogie Nights a comedy? No. Exactly. I'd say it's a kind of... It's a drama that certainly has a sense of humour and a, and a levity yeah. about what it's doing. But, 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 but Big Lebowski is a very different tone. I think Big Lebowski is a comedy. It certainly sets out to be one if you don't find it funny or not. See, to me, I'd say they are very similar tone. I'd, I'd take the Big Lebowski... My reading of it, if it weren't for all the context surrounding it, I, I would just read it as a kind of drama, but a light-hearted one mm-hmm. <laughs> that isn't taking itself too seriously. But I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that as a concept as well. I don't, that's not a problem. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not opposed to it, but I don't feel like there's enough plot and so mm-hmm. forth to to justify it on that level. Yeah, okay. I, I I've got to... Agree somewhat, you know, the plot does not. I mean, like I say, I think it's always driving forwards. There's a couple of scenes that are not required. I uh, and it's deliberately like here's a strand that's going somewhere. Here's a strand that's it's it's that's deliberate, if, whether you like it or not. But it's and, driving forward to nothing. Essentially. Yes, it doesn't, and not in a not in a way like burn after reading where that is very deliberately the point and a meta deconstruction of storytelling and so on. I mean, perhaps well, it, in a way it that is, is delib- the point. It's deliberate. But, yeah, it is. Yeah. Deliberately has no ending. I, I do think that's not particularly satisfying um, that, you know, this whole thing was just a big kind of misunderstanding kind of thing. I think um, that's another problem with Coen Brothers comedies is that they, they seem to revel in 
not giving them anything resembling a, a satisfying conclusion. Yeah. Well, they see. I mean, they obviously do it on purpose. The serious man's the most egregious, you know, blatant example of it. And you know, I know what they're doing. I just don't like it. But this feels like the same thing done to a much mm. lesser extent, a much more and I think subtle uh, take on it. I think that is in theory something that I wouldn't get on with, but. Obviously, there's something here uh, that makes that palatable for me. I, and for me, it's character. That's that's what gets me in this film. It's the characters. I think they're extremely well realized. One thing the Coen brothers always do extremely well is get their actors to perform in the right way. And I think they just nail it here. You know, Jeff Bridges, John Goodman. Uh, Steve Buscemi is probably a bit wasted, but it's, yeah, a silly, yeah. it's a silly kind of little character, and that's fine. Julianne Moore plays that, that character extremely well. That's definitely one of their strengths that goes across their career. And, and, and you know, I I'm not sure they are really well-realised characters, to be honest, because they're just... Every character in this film, it's just like, pick an actor and then pick five, like, Manatee Ball-style personality traits for them. So... I'm going to have a go now. I'm just going to come up with a big Lebowski character. Uh, who's who's a hot actor? Right, Channing Tatum. <laughs> yeah. And he has a... He's got a pet um, sugar glider. What's that? What's that? Uh, a They're like little, little mammal, little squirrely things. Oh, okay. He's got a sugar glider. Um, he's diabetic as well, so he has to take an insulin shot every now and then. Um, and he carries uh little peanut butter sandwiches with the crusts chopped off in the cling film because of the diabetes. So he's got a little snack all the time. So he's always snacking on on peanut butter sandwiches. There is three personality traits. I'm not laughing yet. Can you? Give yeah, us well, neither am I. But uh, neither am I. The dude just drinking white Russians all the time. I don't think that's supposed to be. Funny and where and he, he wears a he wears a dressing gown. He likes to bowl, and he drinks white Russians. Yeah, John Goodman, but he's ex-military. He's converted to Judaism, and he's got an anger problem. Steve Buscemi, but nothing. It's just Steve <laughs> Buscemi. Well, what more do you want? I mean, I just don't know if that constitutes a character. It's it's three gimmicks and an actor. Each time, yeah. But if you've got a good actor who can pull that together, then that's great. But I don't, I don't know who these are, who these people are. I don't know what makes them tick. I don't really have a sense at all that, like, I begin to know them as people. I just get that they fit into these like gimmicky. They've got about as much depth as Guy Ritchie characters. It's they might as well be called <laughs> that. There, that's uh, Jeff the dude. And the thing about him is. He's always wearing that dressing gown. Yeah, but if you take a Guy Ritchie character, give him a good director and a good actor, then you're, you, you're onto something. Well, like Sherlock Holmes. No. Robert Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, I, just, I just don't get it. Well, anyway, you're being very negative. Uh, can you pull any positives out of it? It doesn't have to be about humour, anything that you liked. <sighs> well, I, I mean, I used to... The last few times I've watched this film, it's kind of just washed over me, and I've just kind of let that happen. I think this is the first time it's really annoyed me, and I've just been like, you know what, fuck off. No, it, like, it can't just... 
But it is quite easy to just let it wash over you, I suppose. It's not... I mean, it's too long. It gets boring after about an hour, but... It... I don't know, it's it's well crafted on a technical level. It's well shot, and mm. the the technicality behind the editing's good, I suppose. The acting all all is largely quite good. Music? I don't remember it, so it's probably fine. Oh, there's some very interesting choices of music, very atmospheric and... Oh, there's some good songs on the soundtrack, yeah, yeah, if that's yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about Sam Elliott as The Stranger? Sort of out of reality narrator kind of character. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, he's just a, a, a self-indulgent tangent, isn't he? I mean, I, I like Sam Elliott, and in theory I'm happy for him to just pop up in films, but I don't know, I kind of need it. I need more than just that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the reason I bring that up is because I agree on that one. I, I, I don't particularly like the character. I don't think it adds anything. It does feel very just sort of like, here's a wacky character that serves no purpose. So I guess I understand what you're saying about the rest of the film, if that's how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, lots of other things work for me. Yeah. Whereas that I mean, it's, it's weird. I should I should say as well. I I love the Coen brothers as filmmakers. Like I I really do love their dramas. So it's not like I'm just you know. I think they're incredibly talented filmmakers. I just I don't know. I only like half their movies. I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, what what else should we address here? Because um, I, I I don't know. I feel like I can't bring anything up without you just slagging it off. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, explain it to me a bit more. Defend it. I, it's, I don't know what. Well, I don't think. It, I don't think it is. It just appears that you don't. You don't like what it is. I think you understand what it is. You just don't like it. I genuinely don't understand the humor in it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a short episode, then. <laughs> <laughs> There's a trippy. <laughs> trippy dream sequence. There's a couple of sort of yeah, dream and then they do another one because yeah, because yeah, it's like the film itself run out of ideas. <laughs> um, I mean, I I wish the Coen Brothers would make something not like a crime drama. <laughs> I mean, I I I've wanted them to make a horror film ever since I watched The Serious Man because the the opening ten minute sequence. The sort of prelude to the main film in a serious man is so tense and un- like creepy. Um, I- I'd love to see them make a horror film, but again, the the little flashes of eccentrism in in their dream sequences and this, I just kind of wish they'd make something else. <laughs> I'm just I don't think I'm really inter- I don't think I share any interests with them. So when I when I like what they do and respect what they do, it's because they've made something so immaculately good that I just can't take issue with it. Mm-hmm. And that tends to be their fairly straight down the line dramas. But whenever they follow their bliss and do, you know, one for you, one for me, and something a bit more self-indulgent, it just doesn't interest me. Well, I, th- I, I kind of agree to a certain extent that I found that certainly in later films... Um, but I say I would say this is kind of the sweet spot where they were, you know, just on the edge of being self-indulgent. Like I say, there's a couple elements there that I think are not necessary, but they're still kind of in control enough, or maybe not in control enough. As in, they, they still have to deliver a product. Mm. Someone's looking over their shoulder, the producer. Uh, whereas I think they've got more freedom now, and they can just do whatever they want. Mm. Well. 
Shall we, shall we talk about Jesus Rolls then? <laughs> yeah. Because, I, I mean, I didn't know anything about this at all until you said, oh, we should do the Glebowski because of this film. Um, well, I, I know that John Turturro's been trying to get this film off the ground for, uh, like, 20 years, basically. And one of the news sites I follow posted up the trailer, and I was like, oh, shit, that got made? Mm. For the longest amount of time, I kind of got the impression that the Coen brothers weren't willing to sign off on it because <laughs> yeah. they were just a bit like mm. <laughs> and obviously somewhere along the line they kind of went go on then <laughs> yeah it's written and directed by John Turturro yeah. uh, who you know has written and directed things before has he? yeah it's nothing particularly major but yeah he does his little indie films I mean it's, it's just it's very odd that he's that fixated on it's a character who appears in two scenes yeah for a total of, without exaggerating, perhaps ninety seconds. Yeah, it's a couple of minutes. Maybe yeah. two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you say, totally unnecessary to the plot of anything. Yeah, not a huge amount to him as a character. It's implicit that he's a paedophile. It's not implicit. It's stated outright. <laughs> well, yeah, but in a way that might not be true, right? Well, yeah, I guess it's a other character who says all of him. Uh, yes, um, I watched the trailer. Doesn't really give much away. Yeah. It's him coming out of prison uh, after many years, and then he's sort of getting back in touch with some family by the looks of it and, and that sort of thing. And it's, I mean, the trailer was quite scattershot. I think it really give give much to it, which is not a bad thing as far as I'm concerned. If it's a little indie film about a strange character just doing this, the few meandering things, that's that could yeah. push some of my buttons. Right? But then why why this character? Why can't you just make the... I, I don't understand. It's, it's an odd thing, and 20 years too late as well, frankly. And he, well, he's obviously... He's obviously really fixated on this role, but it, I I think maybe it's just because it's the highlight of his career, and it I mean, that's <laughs> it. It, it. It reeks of desperation because he's not really got any other. You know, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's a highlight of his career. It's probably the most iconic part of his career, but you know, that's perhaps not quite the same thing. It's probably the most re- remembered. It's probably how he's most associated in the same way. Yeah, John Goodman and Jeff Bridges. I I get the impression, like I say, that the Coen brothers were kind of the ones holding it up. He's been wanting to, like they've been talking about making this forever. He's been doing interviews saying he wants to make it, but you know it's taken him a long time. I mean, I don't know that that's it's not a great starting point, and yeah. they've not got any involvement in it beyond that, and they. You know, he didn't write and direct the scenes he was in the first time. He didn't create that character, so it's it's Plus all it, a bit. It's such a big character, over the top that it works in that small burst. It works as a yeah. silly character in a slightly silly world. I, I mean, I'm not sure how they're gonna, how it's gonna play. I, I well, I think I think it's gonna play very, badly. very badly, to be honest. Yeah. Because it's, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's uh, currently sat with four point four on IMDb. Oh, um, and obviously that's not the rating will uh, settle out a bit as more votes come in, but that is based on um, I believe film festival screenings. Although looking at it, it's come out in Italy last year, so that's based on what the Italians made of it. Oh, what are they now? 
<laughs> so maybe America will be more receptive. Who knows? But four point four out of ten is not a. Uh, I mean, that's that is a bad rating. <laughs> it's um, it's apparently. Do you know it's a remake? This film of what? Of a, a French film. Les les values les values. And what is that in English? Les <laughs> uh, going places. So that might be about someone coming out of prison and, and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, might be. But that's interesting. That's a totally different influence. Well, it's a film from 1974 that seems to be held in fairly high regard. And, and I believe it's well known for being incredibly uh, button-pushing, raunchy, extreme... For when it came out, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm just looking now. Widely considered one of the most controversial films in French cinema due to its vulgarity, depiction of sexual acts, nudity, and moral ambiguity. Ooh. Kind of an odd choice. Uh, it translates into English as the waltzes, apparently, the waltzes. which is a vulgar French slang term for sex. I'm not far off. The testicles. The waltzes. Yeah. You don't dance with testicles. Well, they dance. They dance below the crotch area, don't they? Uh-huh. I, mean, I, I, I imagine that's what it, where it comes from, and it stars Gérard Depardieu. Of course, it does. And two other French people. <laughs> there are no other French people. Uh, I might watch that. It sounds good. Gérard Depardieu plays. Guess the name. Uh, <laughs> Jean. Yeah, keep going. Jean. Jean Paul. Jean what? Jean Paul. Oh, Alan, you were so close. <laughs> Jean Claude. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, it seems to be a a respected film, at least in the kind of John Waters sense. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm okay with that. But obviously, cheap enough that John Turturro could buy the rights to remake it. Just, it's just a very weird. It is a very weird con- project. Whole but- thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then what is it what is it about actors who have a character that they're kind of known for just doing a remake of an old European film <laughs> but like as a comedy with that character like Mr B Why do they Well yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. There's a per- that's a perfect example Mr Bean uh, Mr Bean's holiday Monsieur Hellert's holiday yeah, yeah. I was thinking of uh, Pee-wee's big adventure and and, La know, and the bicycle thief yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, it, it seems to be quite a common thing. What we, okay, well let's let's come up with some ideas. What what could we remake? A remake of um, Breathless, a de souffle, uh, with uh, um, with Rob Schneider uh, as that guy in Adam Sandler films. <laughs> 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 I, yeah, yeah. I want one for uh, Steve Buscemi's character in those Adam Sandler films as well. <laughs> Crazy Eyes. <laughs> Crazy Eyes in a reimagining of uh, Battleship Potemkin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that working. <laughs> okay, um... The Three Colors trilogy, yeah, but... comedic remake of the Three Colors trilogy, starring Tracy Morgan. <laughs> Tracy Morgan as, as 
himself. A thinly veiled <laughs> version of himself. Yeah. <laughs> a, a crap comedian with diabetes. <laughs> All right. Tom Cruise as that Harvey Weinstein character playing in Tropic, <laughs> Tropic Thunder. Thunder. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a character, again, that's exactly the kind of character that an actor like him. I think he was talking about making a spin off of yeah, that yeah. character for a while. I read a bit about that. Um, him in a remake of. Chinatown. <laughs> uh, Polanski's very popular these days. Has to be, has to be a European to... film. Has to be a European film. Yeah, I mean, oh no, he was still allowed in America at the time. <laughs> What about three men and a baby? <laughs> three three men and a cradle. Really make that as a comedy. <laughs> With Ted Three Dancing. men and a baby. Starring Tom Cruise as Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> um, John Turturro as the Jesus. <laughs> and Paul Rubens as Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> yeah. You know Pee Wee Herman, he's still trying to make a an adult R-rated Pee Wee Herman movie. Which he's been talking about for twenty years. Yeah, and, uh, I could see that working. Then. I'm all for it. Well, would you like to rate the Big Lebowski? Let's give it an official number. <sighs> I'm giving it a five out of ten. You think it's going to go down well with the public? I don't give a shit. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> gloves off. <laughs> I I used to have I had this pegged as a seven out of ten before. And that was very much on on my kind of teenage watching films. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't dare upset the yeah. apple cart kind yeah. of way of rating things. And you know, seven. I just got so bored rewatching it again, and it is so self indulgent. And so I think it. I think it really is more fair to give it a six and then I think I'm just so annoyed with it because <laughs> I think I think I've taken a point off for like backlash yeah you're at the hit of the, the front of the backlash well for me um uh, I mean I, I agree with some of the points you made but ultimately uh, obviously I chime with this level of humor or whatever it is I like the characters I agree there are some definitely self-indulgent moments some of those I'm okay with because it's a, just a funny character or it's an interesting scene or whatever. There's definitely elements that I'm not that fussed about that could come out of it. It's probably just a little bit too long. But ultimately, I really like it. Uh, and it is one of the films that uh, sealed the Coen Brothers for me as my some of my favorite filmmakers. It's uh, one of the films that really got me into film when I was a young man. And... That legacy of it as well is, uh, in terms of my personal taste, my personal life, is uh, definitely shown here. But I'm going to give it a nine. Oh! <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I'd be very interested to hear from our listeners because I think you are going to be in the minority, my friend. I know I am. I know I am. Nobody came out to defend Walcard. Yeah, they you, did. You wait till the Big Lebowski nutters come out. <laughs> Everyone who's really cool, post a picture of yourself drinking a white Russian. Have you ever had a white Russian? No, I don't drink alcohol, so I know, but you you did for a time before you gave it up. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've had Kahlua, uh, but no, I haven't, I haven't had a white Russian. I don't think I've ever had a proper one. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd like I'd like one. 
But then I probably wouldn't. It probably actually isn't that nice. Because in my head, it's like, ooh, a nice milkshake. But then I bet in reality, it's like... Tastes like vodka. Ooh, taste of vodka, yeah. Yeah, you just want a chocolate milkshake. That's what you want. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm all right with that. Um, well, thank you for listening, everyone. I'd like to apologise for Saul's lack of humour. Uh, because he's just a... He's just well, don't blame a, me, blame the Coen brothers. He's a miserable, a miserable man who, who hasn't, can't laugh. He can't laugh at the, the finest things in life. But he will laugh at someone going, we need cocks. Hello, everyone, we need cocks. That's what he finds funny. Well, no, I mean, that's the only joke you remembered from Dewey Cox last time, and I didn't <laughs> find it funny then either. <laughs> it's literally the first line of the show. I know, but I... I... <laughs> Yeah, I, I I said at the time then that I didn't particularly like that line. Yeah, whatever. Look, look, listeners, by all means, explain the humour in this film to me. T- like, explain to me how this is funny, because I don't think you can do it. <laughs>